0: turn to Psalm 22 once again for this short series for the Lenten season. We'll read the entire chapter, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted thou didst deliver them, they cried unto thee and were delivered, they trusted in thee and were not confounded, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people, all they that see me laugh me to scorn, they shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and feet, my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me, they part my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. <clears throat> going to especially consider this evening verses 14 through 18. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint, My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. This evening, we again consider those words that Jesus spoke to himself, what I call the silent crosswords. The words and the thoughts. Of Jesus that were not spoken out loud to be heard and recorded, yet the words that he himself knew, that he himself considered, and even spoke in himself there on the cross. The words that we have considered and the words that are found here in the text are part of a prayer, something he brings before God as the opening words make clear, My God, my God. He's addressing God and begins first with the question, Why hast thou forsaken me? Those words are important for understanding the psalm and other elements of the text. For one thing, these opening words and the words that follow indicate how utterly different Jesus is from those whom he has come to save. Jesus recognizes he has been abandoned and forsaken by God. He even recognizes why he has abandoned, been abandoned, or forsaken he knows he understands and yet makes the cry and then as we're going to see also not tonight but later on but we read tonight the utter confidence yet that Jesus has in God his confidence is not based upon what he feels or what he thinks But he has an unquenchable love and trust in his God. How utterly different he is than us. We almost look for an excuse not to trust in God. If we raise a prayer or two and they seem to hit the ceiling and bounce back into our lap, we give up. Should something evil befall us, we cop an attitude. Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? Why me? And be filled with bitterness, not confidence and love. And it simply shows why we need this particular Savior. That's the importance in the first place. The importance also is, especially with the words of our text, that Jesus now is referring to something slightly different than what he spoke about and what we considered in the sermon last Sunday, I am a worm and no man. There we saw that Jesus was referring specifically to his state, his status before God and before men his status before God and before men is that he is guilty and therefore he is humbled to death Jesus is talking there about his humiliation his humiliation as a man how he has been humbled from being the great God and Lord of heaven to one on the cross reduced to such tears and cries of despair. But now here in the text, I am poured out like water, Jesus is now referring to His condition. Not so much His status and His state, but now His condition. What is the condition of this man here hanging on the cross? What does he feel? And how does he interpret that which is going on about him and in his own body? That's what he's expressing. He's expressing the poor, poor condition in which he finds himself. There's another thing that's interesting here also that's worth considering And that is that these words are placed in the Bible and were placed in the Holy Scriptures thousands of years before they would be fulfilled. Long before Jesus actually carries out and fulfills these words, they're put here. And what's interesting is they're put here in such a way that We don't read, really, of Jesus ever saying these. He talks about his thirst and other such things on the cross. And yet, every Christian who's ever read this passage knows that it refers to Jesus. Not only that, but he brings to God something God already knows, which is often the case with prayer, by the way. Is it not true that often when we pray to God, we're bringing to God that which He already knows? And yet it's good for the soul. It's good for us to express how we feel and our condition, which brings out this truth. If you ask why these words are here, the answer, at least in part, is so that we may meditate upon them, that we may consider them, that we may bring them into our own heart and soul to consider. Jesus said them, in other words, for our benefit. So let's consider this evening another one of the silent crosswords I am poured out like water. And we notice the suffering, then the significance or the explanation, and then finally the blessing of these words. When Jesus exclaims here in our text, I am poured out like water, and likewise everything else that follows, Jesus is referring to a particular form of his suffering while on earth, and that is the suffering of death. To put it plainly, when Jesus says, I am poured out like water, he's referring to his death. And he's saying two things about that death. Number one, he's saying that death is imminent. It is right around the corner. It's going to happen at any moment, at any time. He could expire and breathe his last And therefore, number two, his death is certain. He's expressing, my death is near, and my death is certain. There is no way out of this impending death. The imminence of his death is evident from the very figure of speech he uses to capture this, which is, I am poured out like water. These are the words of a dying man. And these are the words that this dying man is speaking about his own death. He is giving us words here to explain his death and what his death is like. The first way we know that he is referring to his death and the eminence of His death, is because He, in the first place, talks about it. If you go a few to the next verse, He says, I am brought into the dust of death. What He's referring, therefore, has to do with being brought into the dust of death. What Jesus is referring to is that the water of life is draining out of Him. It is literally pouring out of Him. It's not slowly coming out of Him. It's not coming out of Him drip by drip. But the water of life, namely His life, is pouring out of Him. Jesus is expressing the fact that we are water we are made up of two things two essential things and Jesus refers to one of them because it's a reminder of that notice Jesus does not say my blood is pouring out of me we all know what that means but rather I am being poured out like water Reminding us that well over 50% of us is water, the other is dirt. Mix the dirt with the water and what you have is clay. And Jesus is saying the dirt mixed with the clay is losing the water. It's losing its white life. It's losing its ability to have form and function. Lose the water and you lose the life. Lose the life, and you return back to the dust. That This is exactly what he's referring to is evident when he adds two expressions to that phrase, I am poured out like water. The first is, My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Remember what a potchard is. A potchard is a place of clay. It is water that is mixed with dirt into clay and it is formed into a pot. And then the pot is fired. And that firing takes all the moisture out of it so that pot is hard. But now that part pot becomes fragile one can take that pot and shatter it to pieces. So Jesus is pointing out here that the water is being drained out of Him, His life, so that He's become like a hard chunk of clay. But now, not even a clay that one can call a pot, but just a piece of the pot, a potsherd. The kind of thing that you crush under your foot and turn back to the dust which is really what it is and he's referring there to the strength of life my strength is dried up like a potsherd the idea is that is the water pouring out of him he's being dehydrated that all of his strength is leaving him the strength to live the strength to maintain his form and his function. He's explaining their death. The second related phrase to I am being poured out like water is when Jesus adds, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Now Jesus there is not simply expressing what happens when one is dehydrated, when the water is poured out of someone. Ask anyone who has been in that condition, and they will tell you that the first thing you notice is that the moisture in your mouth is gone, and the tongue locks to the top of the roof of the mouth, seeking and looking for moisture, but not finding it. And there in the mouth the place of taste and speech, one experiences very really that there is no moisture whatsoever. That like clay where the water has left, it's becoming cracked and dried. And he's expressing that. But you also have here an explanation why Jesus only speaks seven things on the cross. Did you ever think about that? You ought to be amazed that Jesus says anything on the cross because the water of life is literally pouring out of him and his tongue is locked to his jaws so that he cannot speak. Yet speak he does, but not very much because every time he opens his mouth to speak, more water pours out of him. That's what Jesus is expressing here. Jesus is expressing that he knows he's dying and his substance is breaking down. The water of life is leaving and he's breaking down back to the dust from which he came. And that is especially expressed in what he says. Notice Jesus does not say the water is pouring out of me, but I am being poured out like water. Jesus is not simply expressing there <clears throat> a truth that we ought never to forget, which is that we are indeed fragile beings. Jesus there is talking about his being, who he is and what he is. It's not like simply water is draining out of him, but that he himself is being poured out his own being is losing its life and he with it I am being poured out now that's really what death is like death isn't simply that one loses their body that the various parts that the body is composed of come apart that the water leaves the body so that the dirt mixed with the water becomes back to dust. That's what it is. But you understand, when that happens, the person, the being himself, is poured out into the dust, is poured out into the ground, into the grave. And Jesus is expressing that's what's happening to him. His entire being is being broken down and divided and split up and brought to the dust and to the dirt. He's saying that of which I made that which allows me to exist to walk and talk have form and function is just draining away. And I'm draining with it now Jesus adds again to that this knowledge that he's dying and that his substance is breaking down as the effect of the water leaving him he adds to that as he did also when he said I am poured out like water notice he adds and all my bones are out of joint you have to see these things as all fitting together he says all my bones Are out of joint. That's literally what's happening to him on the cross. He is on the cross, hung by nails, driven through his hands and his feet. And as he pours out like water, as he loses the substance of life, he loses his strength, he loses the ability to even keep his bones where they ought to be. His bones are extremely distorted. His frame is being racked out of joint. That which holds up his body, that which gives the body its substance, is coming apart. And that especially because the mode of his death, crucifixion especially, brought that out the bones are not even any longer where they ought to be. They're in places where they ought not to be. And when they're there, someone realizes I'm dying. And it's right around the corner. He says, my heart is like wax. Keep in mind, he's talking about the whole man. I'm poured out like water. He talks about The two basic constituent elements of who and what he is. Water and dirt. Talks about how it affects his jaw or his mouth or his speech or his tongue. Talks about how it affects his strength. His strength is going into the dust. Talks about his bones and now he talks about the other essential element of man Man is not simply His body. Man is not simply His tongue. Man is not simply His hands and His feet, but He talks about His heart. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Now you understand what the heart is. He's not talking about the thing inside of Him that goes bump, bump, and pumps blood all around. That's just a picture of the spiritual heart that in each person in each human being is a heart that heart is his spiritual center that heart is out of which flows all the issues of his life from that heart flows how he thinks about life and acts about life, what he wills and will not do. That heart is what connects him to God. That heart is where he stands in communion with God, where he enjoys fellowship with God, and where he, God fellowships with him. Right there, in that heart. And so now he says, my heart too. It's just melting like wax under a flame, just drip, drip, dripping into my bowels, into the depths of my being. I'm losing not simply physical strength. I'm not, I'm losing not simply my physical abilities, but my spirit. My spirit is draining away my conscious connection to God and everything pertaining to the Spirit world is melting like wax i am he says being brought down to the dust of the earth now that's what we have to see and we often miss that because well you know jesus dies right and we have a picture in our mind there's jesus he dies and they grab his body and they take it and they put it into the grave and three days later here he comes and we forget that Jesus' death was a real death. And Jesus explaining the true horror of death. Jesus is explaining what death was for him. Even though in that grave he never saw corruption, what happened to him broke him down into pieces. We eat at the table, do we not? His broken body and his shed blood that's what he's expressing here and he speaks not only of the eminence of his death but the certainty of it it is right around the corner and certainly around the corner that's brought out by three additional expressions dogs have compassed me he identifies them as the assembly of the wicked He sees about him all sorts of the wicked. The they he refers to includes all of his enemies, not simply the Romans, but the Jews, not simply the rich and the wealthy, but the poor. Not simply those who are leaders in the church, but those who follow the leaders. Not simply the wicked world, but also the church. They are all arrayed around me like dogs. And you understand the idea there is that his death is the ultimate expression of their wickedness. That which shows clearly that they are the dogs that they are is the very fact that they're staring at him, surrounding him there on the cross. And he notices two things that they have done they have enclosed me. That's an expression that, although they may have many differences. In many ways, they're as different as day and night, yet they are united in one thing. Let this man die. Let this man be crucified. Let this man be taken out of this world. Let him enter into the grave and the dust and be no more. They're gathered there for one purpose, to ensure he does not escape, to ensure he does not come down off that cross, to be sure that there's only one way off that cross, and that is into a grave. He says, they pierced my hands and my feet. Now you understand, Jesus there is not talking simply about the fact that they nailed Him to the cross earlier. You have to understand what Jesus is talking about. They nailed His hands and His feet to the cross. And He is now feeling the pain of that much more acutely than He did when first they were driven in. And how He sees that pain in His hands and His feet is like this. He sees it as the teeth of these great bulls and these dogs. He sees it as their claws. There on His helpless hands and feet because they are nailed to the cross are latched the fangs of dogs. That's how He sees it. Again, the idea is That they add to his suffering. They will ensure he does not come off the cross. And not only that, they have an understanding of what's going on. They are tearing him apart as dogs do. A pack of dogs gets a hold of you like that. You don't have much time left. And Jesus understands that. He expresses the certainty of his death also when he speaks about his bones. He talks about his bones. I may tell all my bones they look and stare at me. You know what he's talking about? That when one is crucified, one's ribcage actually gets so far out of joint it stares at you. Normally you can't see a ribcage like that. But if I nail you to a cross and stick you up, you're going to see a ribcage. It's going to be staring at you. And you're going to see it staring at you. You're going to see it accusing you. That's how he sees even his own bones. They look and they stare at him as if they're saying, Why are we here? What are we doing here? This is not right. This is not the way it should be. Don't you realize that if you don't get off this cross, we're going to be dead? That's what he sees out of his own ribcage, out of his own bones. Another expression that his body is literally being torn apart. Then he notes this too. they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. He notices that too. It's not just that they stripped him naked, that they took his outer coat and his inner vesture so that he's hanging there naked for all the world to see. The nakedness of man The utter humiliation. But now they're going to take his garments and split them up. It's interesting how the Gospels make something of this that there's two things that happen. One is his outer garment, they tear into pieces and they each take a piece. His inner garment, which was one woven piece of cloth, they do not tear, they simply cast lots and someone's going to get the whole thing. But you have to understand what Jesus sees in all that. What Jesus sees is the greed and the wickedness of these dogs and these people arrayed about Him. They don't need these torn pieces of cloth. They don't need His garment. But they take it anyway to further humiliate, to show the greed of man, what man really is like. Doesn't even take pity on those are dying the very man who himself will die (coughs) but the other thing that Jesus sees is this they're doing this because he will never need them again when he dies they will not be put back on him he will be taken and he will be placed in the grave without those clothes Now, what's the explanation for all this? Well, in the first place, there's this. Christ sees through those arrayed against him, and he sees dogs, but what he sees really is Satan. He sees in these bulls, he sees in these dogs, the creatures of Satan. He sees Satan and his hordes arrayed against him. He sees the hounds of hell. He sees them all as hand picked agents of the evil one. The one who knows and who knew from the beginning, who heard the first words spoken to him, the promise I will raise one up. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And ever since then, had been looking for him. I've been looking for him in the human race. I've been looking for him to show up. And when he shows up, he pounces. He tries to tempt him. He tries to get rid of him every which way that he can. And now he has him. He has this one who's supposedly going to crush his head right where he wants him, on a chunk of wood, nailed to the cross, An army of people arrayed around him so he cannot get off. Barking and baying, tearing and ripping. The water he sees, Satan does, all of it pouring out. He's rubbing his hands in glee. He's about ready to die and Christ sees it all. He knows what's behind all this. There's a word to us here also and that is, This is death. One need not die on a cross to have the water poured out of them. Oh yes, Jesus is suffering this uniquely in a way that none of us can because God is punishing him for our sins. Nevertheless, Remember, this is what makes death the horror that it is. This is why we fear death. It tears us apart. We live in these bodies. We think we're quite something. We're well put together, very strong. But all that has to happen is for the water of life to leak out, and you return right back to the dust. And not only that, but if one is dying alone, without God and without Christ, one goes right into the gaping jaws of Satan. Right into the jaws of hell. Jesus is experiencing that. You remember the phrase in the Heidelberg Catechism, He descended into hell. And it talks about his inexpressible and hellish pains and agonies. Inexpressible. So inexpressible that they're written as a psalm a thousand years before he dies. Words so inexpressible that Jesus himself will not be able to express them, but can only think them. That's what's going on here. God is killing him. God is taking his life. And that is the true horror of death. Being worked out is what God had said to man, in the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. When one dies, we go back to the dust and the Spirit back to God who created it. This is precisely why we need such a Messiah. Jesus sees. He sees even beyond the dogs, beyond the devil, and He sees God. When His bones look up at Him and they testify, when they stare at Him and they speak, He hears God. He sees God speaking to Him. When His heart is melting like wax, He knows it's the wrath of God that is melting that heart and turning it into wax. It is the fiery hot wrath of God that is dehydrating every ounce of water out of his body. It is God who is bringing that body down to the dust. Jesus doesn't see some greedy pitiless Roman soldiers pounding the nails in. He sees the hand of God pounding those nails in. That's really what Jesus is expressing here. Death is not natural. Death is the justice of God. And now he is feeling that wrath and justice of God for the sins of the whole world. All of our sins. All of those who belong to Him. And every single one of them. All of that hell. All of that agony. All of that death. Surely I am poured out like water. And there's something more here. Adds to what Jesus is expressing. Let's remember who God is. My God, my God, is God, my Father. It is His Father that is doing this to His Son. It is God who is His friend, who is dealing with Him as an enemy It is the God who has blessed him, the God who blesses his people, who is cursing him, who has him nailed to the accursed tree. Do you see? Do you see now why the water isn't just dripping, but it's pouring out of him? God has condensed, as it were, all of the fury of, and all of the wrath, and all of the hot fires of hell. Take in them all that you and I deserve. Think of what that is, an eternity of it, and condenses it down to one person at one point of time. That's what's going on. Now there's blessing in this. The blessing is not that you and I shall escape the reality and horror of death. The blessing here is not that the water shall never drain out of our bodies, our hearts shall never melt like wax. It's not even that any of us will never suffer such a death. The Apostle Peter, Jesus makes plain, will die this same kind of death. He will experience many of the things that Jesus does, of course, but not anything close. But it's not the blessing that we shall escape such things. We shall never have no enemies who try to kill us, enemies who hate us. There'll never be a time when the world doesn't hate us, but accepts us warmly as their friend. No, that's not the blessing here. In fact, if there's something that's here, it ought to be the continual reminder of our need always that Christ die the accursed death, that Christ die this death that none of us could die, a death wherein, even though this is happening, He still loves His Father, still trusts in Him, and still anticipates that he shall stand before God praising Him. The blessing is that by this death, Jesus conquers death. He conquers indeed all things. And all these things therefore become His agents. The keys of death and hell that now at this time ring on the chain of Satan himself. Christ takes from Him. Christ now owns the keys of death and hell. He has them firmly in His hand. By entering into death, He will not be able to be killed again. He will be above death. He will be immortal. And He will show what He truly was. All along. And that is the Lord from heaven. That which is hid in His humility. That which is hidden from sight. That which it seems even only at this time there's only one who believes it. One who understands it. And that is Christ Himself. He is Lord of heaven. And so the result is that death now is in his hand that he controls it and he makes it our passage to eternal life amen let us pray our Father which art in heaven O Lord our God we thank thee for the Savior who poured himself out that we might drink whose water of life poured out, that by that water we might be baptized. Baptized with that very water that poured out of him into his death, so that we never suffer death as punishment, but only as a passage into eternal life. We thank thee for this great and glorious gospel. Give us faith to believe in him and him alone, And in his name we pray, amen.